it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Mike and the gang definitely could have made it easier on us, but nonetheless, a win's a win, so play the song. We cannot falter in the battle. We're tried and true. Indiana, 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 we're all for you. Indiana squeaks out the win against Florida Gulf Coast, and thank Christ for it. Jesus, that was a tough watch. That was a tough watch until we got it going there for a little bit, and then we almost tried to hand it back to him. Um, but welcome to the Often Daunted Podcast. We'll be getting into the game today whenever you are listening to this. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. I appreciate the hell out of you giving me the listen, and uh, today on this episode of the Often Daunted Podcast, I'll be recapping um, what was... A scrape by victory for our guys. I will be diving into some of that Indiana news, some of the news around the Big Ten, just talking about the results of the rest of the games. And then I will be getting into a preview of the Army game. Um, so stick around for that. But, I mean, before we get into any of that stuff, it's it's the game at hand, the game we just all witnessed. And at, at the tip, I was really hoping to see the Hoosiers come out with a plan and, uh, and a will to execute that plan. <laughs> Instead, from the tip... Uh, we settled for Xavier Johnson mid-range with, with no real time off the clock, and I didn't like it, and immediately thought we could be in store for a slow start. You can call that pessimism. At this point, I will call it a conditioned response. I was a little optimistic out of the gate as I saw Malik was uh, really letting the game come to him, uh, never pressing the issue initially. His game is just, it's visibly more mature. Uh, you watch him play, he doesn't have the freshman jitters that he had throughout last season. Unfortunately, despite his initial grasp on the game, uh, Indiana lost any offensive cohesion in that first half. And sure, sure, getting fouled rules. But, I mean, it only rules if you can capitalize at the line, which Indiana failed miserably at. Yeah, in, the Hoosiers went 10 for 18 in the first half from the line. I, I would like to think me and my buddies watching the game could go 10 for 18 at the line. Throughout the entirety of the first half, it just seemed like the Hoosiers couldn't find a rhythm or just any sense of cohesion. Just just all out of sorts on the offensive end. And then don't even get me started on the defensive end. Most glaringly, Mackenzie Mbaka looked a step slow defensively throughout the start of this one, uh, throughout his time on the floor, which was limited. Uh, Mike wasn't having it. Uh, benching him for most of the game altogether. Mike isn't going to pander to these guys. Um, you need to play solid defense if you want to get on the floor. I, he he isn't just he isn't just letting you go out there and make your NBA tape on the offensive end. He needs to know that he can trust you on the defensive, and I respect the hell out of Mike for doing that. Uh, it's an early message sent to McKenzie, and you have to hope that he'll come out uh, stronger and more determined on the other end of the floor for that. While while McKenzie's defense did leave quite a bit to uh, want throughout this one. Kalel Ware had a hell of a game, any way you cut it. Kalel showed some motor on the offensive glass in the first half and uh, was just, he was the largest reason Indiana took a lead into the half. In that first half, he had eight points, eight boards, and three block shots, 
while putting in his time with 17 minutes in the first. That 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 total amount of time is like just in the first half alone eclipses what he was averaging at Oregon. And then it just picking up where he left off in the second half, he just continued to display a motor as he was able to tally his first double digit, his first double double in Assembly Hall. 13 points, 12 rebounds, and four assists is a totally rounded out performance by our newest Dynamo. Thank Christ Mike was able to go out there and get this guy because we are going to need everything he has to offer this season. And I mean, it's just going to be a force of habit and he's going to be bringing more and more, I'm hoping, because uh, that that should be able to alleviate um, some of these just offensive stretches that we just couldn't buy a bucket. In that first half, we had that seven-minute stretch without a field goal, um, immediately followed by a three-minute stretch um, after one bucket. It, that that's absolutely brutal. We can get away with that against the likes of Florida Gulf Coast, but once we get into the thick of it, once we get playing UConn, they are going to take advantage of that, and they are going to put their foot down. They are going to let the lead out, and they will not give us an opportunity to get back into these games. And and I know I was I already had ridden Mackenzie's defensive effort a little, a bit in this one, but it was an entire team lack of communication, lack of something. Uh, just watching the team-wide inability to find shooters lurking on the perimeter, I just thought to myself, Iowa would absolutely feast on this team right now. Luckily, luckily there's plenty of time to figure it out, to uh, strengthen our communication. Yeah, yeah, it's going to take a lot of... Basically, free throws and film study is uh, what this game needs, or yeah, what a team needs after this game. The defensive liability that was... Just going big against that Florida Gulf Coast team. There there was a shooter open at all times for them. Luckily, Mike Woodson had an answer. That being throw the freshman out there. Throw out Gabe Cups. While while Gabe Cups didn't necessarily have like the most insane statistical night, he was doing everything that needed done on the defensive end to provide any energy. I, I was shocked to see he only had two steals in this one because he felt like it just felt like he was doing so much more. He was a pest, and uh, he's the ex- he's exactly the type of pest we needed to turn that game around. Came off the bench, provided a spark, and got the Hoosiers, I wouldn't say solidified on that end, but just uh, reinvigorated the squad. It-, it was palpable. That as well as his first made three-pointer in Assembly Hall, which was a huge one to hit. Leaning forward, off balance, just nailed it. Absolute dagger. He he made the most of his 19 minutes on the floor, even though it wouldn't show you that in the box score. And, I mean, uh, there was one point there where Indiana was going on a 21-7 to run, and I thought that, you know, this is how the game should have been going the entire 40. This is what that Indiana team was capable of making happen the entire 40. And we, I, I believe we sandwiched in there a 14-0 run. And 14-0 runs are awesome, Hoosiers. More of those, please. Less of a... Living and dying with each possession of the obviously inferior opponent. Florida Gulf Coast has real ambitions of winning their conference and getting to the NCAA tournament. That That is not our ambition here. Our ambition is to get into the tournament and make a run. And, and that 14-0 run was characteristic of a squad who has intentions in March. So more of those, please. God, please. Especially now when uh, they're going to be much easier to grab than later down the road. If Indiana was able to shoot anywhere near they were against Marion at the free throw line, you'd have to think that this game, this score, would look far more impressive. The Hoosiers ended the night 19 for 30 from the line. Getting to the line 30 times is impressive, but when you only convert at a 63.3% success rate, 
You're leaving points on points on the table. And while we can afford to do that against Florida Gulf Coast, we are certainly not going to be able to afford to do that later down the line. All right. Yeah, so there, there's all the little little things out of the way. More the negative out of the way. There, the, While there was plenty to be upset about, plenty to be wanting out of this squad in this one, uh, there was there was plenty of good. There was there were some good things that the Hoosiers can build on. There were some things that we haven't seen in a while. The Indiana backcourt had plenty of production in the second half from Xavier and Trey. More than I would have thought that we would have needed from those two in order to squeak this one out. If, if there's anything of optimism to take from this victory, I mean, hey, a victory is a victory. Celebrate it. Hey, I, I'm going to cherish it because, <laughs> yeah, at the at the end of the day, it's another tally in the win column. We'll take it. But if there was something to put your Hoosier hearts at rest a little, I would think that it would be the fact that there were four Hoosiers in double digits on the night. When's the last time that happened? When is the last time our production came in the form of double digits for four guys? Malik Renew ended his night with 15, going 6 for 10 from the field. 3 for 6 from free throws, so could work on that. But like I said, his game just looks more mature. It's, he's slowing it down. He's taking control of it. We had Kalel Ware go for 13, but I mean, it was his effort on the boards that made the difference. Of course, it's easier for him. He's seven foot tall. But nonetheless, you, you genu- if you watched that game, if you sat down and watched that game, you genuinely saw a motor in him. You saw him working to get those boards. You saw him putting forth the effort that has been such a question for him in the eyes of everybody else. Not here on the Often Taunted Podcast. We know Kalel's a workhorse. Ended his night with 13 points, 12 rebounds, three of those being on the offensive end. He did go two for five shooting for the day, but uh, one of those was a three-pointer, and I love seeing a seven-footer shoot a three. I love it. <laughs> not, not, nothing, no, yeah, there's, there's no knocking Kalel Ware going out there and getting his first double-double in Assembly Hall. We saw Trey Galloway, Trey Galloway really put it on in the second half. That that guy, when he's in rhythm around the rim, he is he can do some pretty spectacular things. And we saw some of that today as he had 16 points with four rebounds, two assists, and one steal. And and it was an extremely efficient 16 points as he shot seven for nine from the field. And lastly, Xavier Johnson, we saw him go off for four, we saw him score a total of 14 points. On top of that, he also did some work on the boards with four. That that was 14 points, including a huge three-pointer. Now, now you would have liked for us to shoot better than 30% from three, four for 13. But uh, it seemed like when we did hit those threes, they were much-needed, very large shots. So I'll take a little. That'll put my mind at ease a bit. In Indiana really found their footing when they went to the three-guard setup with Malik and Kalel operating in the paint, X, Trey, and Gabe on the outside. Now, now, while that was the answer for Florida Gulf Coast, I, I still genuinely believe that McKenzie will need a majority of minutes if this Hoosier squad is to be as dangerous as they possibly can by March. But Mike Woodson, I think in the post game, he addressed the media and said that it was just he just cannot put them out there right now. Um, they were a liability. Caleb, CJ, and uh, McKenzie. He he called them all all three of those guys out by name. Uh, Mike Woodson's looking to hold people accountable, and I appreciate it. I, I have faith that they can turn it around, that they can uh, figure out this communication error. That uh, Because if there's one thing Mike Woodson's teams have had, it's defense. 
he he's able to communicate what he wants done on that end, and uh, I have to believe that he'll figure it out before this Army matchup. Just doing a light, just a yeah, a light recap as a. You just you just have to be appreciative that the Hoosiers got out of this one unscathed. Still a perfect record, one or no. Uh, can't be said can't, the same. Can't be said about some of our Big Ten brethren. And we're just gonna pack this one in. Uh, review the film, hit some free throws. Oh, free throws all day at practice. Free throws, defense. Free throws, defense. Free, free throws, defense. If we are able to convert at a higher rate, like I said, this is a much more out of contention game. This is a much more respectable on paper game if Indiana is hitting those free throws. So I'm not too worried. I have to imagine we'll have better nights than that. And in with four guys in double digits, this Indiana team is gearing up to uh, be able to offer different looks, have different options um, at scoring the basketball. Now, now I say that, that, that that's based on the second half alone. The options were nowhere to be found in the first other than Kalel doing his damn thing. But I choose to uh, just hold on to that fact and uh, hope that the Hoosiers can, yeah. It, it's just so painful seeing it always come in the second half. Like, we need to come out stronger. We need to come out ready. Like, hey, maybe layup lines don't work. Play some half court. Like, layup lines obviously don't work for these guys to be ready to come tip. Shoot free throws and play some half court basketball. I don't know what it's going to take. Mike Woodson's the man, so... so uh I'll leave it to him. Hoosier is perfect on the season. I just wanted to uh, hand out my show Walter Fish of the game for this one. And for the show Walter Fish of the game here, I wanted to give it to Kalel. Kalel Ware gets it. Actually, I'm going to give out two. This is my show. I can do whatever I want. I'm giving out two show Walter Fishes of the game. Two show Walter Fishes of the game. Kalel Ware for uh, nabbing his first double-double in the candy stripes. I am so appreciative that this guy is here. He is, his blocks were awesome in this game. And, uh, yeah, you could say, hey, maybe he could have grabbed those blocks, but as much as I like that, boy, I love watching him swat it into the fifth row. It's very exciting. <laughs> it's very exciting. And say what you will, I would argue in that moment, the momentum that those can offer are equally, the momentum that blocks like that offer are equally beneficial to, I mean, just one possession in a game. The second show Walter Fish of the game goes to Gabe Cups. Gabe Cups is a freshman. He should not have to be asked to do what he has been able to do in this last one. Uh, just be the life of the defense, be the life of the energy on this team. That isn't a freshman's role. Nonetheless, he's he's filling it out perfectly. He He came on the court... And the the entire the air in the 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 game just changed in that moment. He makes the little plays that matter. Don't show up in the box score, but they matter to the final result. And I'm appreciative for him for that. Plenty to work on, plenty to work on. But that's uh, why we schedule these non these lighter non conference opponents up top. Now uh, we're going to be getting here to UConn before we know it. So it's about time that we uh, really get to work on calibrating the defensive inconsistencies, the offensive lack of tempo, lack of pace, lack of energy, lack of cohesion. This is where we address coming out of the gate with our heads on fire, ready to go. This this team has a lot of skill. This team has a lot of different ways that if it's on, it can beat you. But man, we need to be on from the tip. So with that game in the books, 
just just be appreciative for the victory. I mean, <laughs> it, it could have went so much worse. Good teams find a way, and the Hoosiers found a way to win here. Chalk it up. We're on to Sunday. With that, let's get into some Indiana news. Not an awful lot for you this week, as uh, I did just <laughs> offer some Indiana news in the last episode on Saturday. But before this game, we saw Peyton Sparks listed as questionable. And Peyton Sparks is another guy, much like Gabe Cups. I believe he comes onto the floor ready to go. He comes onto the floor looking to provide energy where there may not be energy to be found. And uh, I think he would have been invaluable in this one, in uh, setting a tone, maybe even in the first half. And I just I just pray for a quick, not hey, not even quick, I pray for him to come back 100% ready to go because we are going to need him. In some recruiting news, Jeff Ehrman, uh, Maryland's leading fan fiction writer and Maryland's 24-7 reporter, uh, seems to believe that we will all see Derek Queen commit to Maryland today, if you are listening to this on the 8th. And uh, yeah, before you dig too much into that, just think of Jeff Ehrman as a uh, far less in touch and far less impressive Jeff Rabjohns. In some other recruiting news, uh, Indiana visited La Lumiere Saturday to check in on six foot seven shooting guard Jalen Harrelson, the number nine recruit in the class of 2025 and the number one recruit in the state, as well as his teammate Darius Adams, the number two recruit in the state and the number 23 recruit nationally, both of which are in the 2025 class. You can say what you feel. You can say whatever about how you feel about Mike Woodson going after the top talent in the country. But uh, when it's in state, go after the top talent in state. They have a little insight in what this all means to the people around here. And uh, you got to hope if he's getting to these guys soon enough and he's showing them that uh, Indiana is everything that he's pitching it. Like, we are rabid. We're nuts. Maybe that scares some people. But God will love you, man. <laughs> the, the, our, our folks love our players. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy the prospect of grabbing these top recruits in our state. Xavier Booker looked weak, by the way, for Michigan State. So that one hurts a little less, but nonetheless, I want to go after the top talent in Indiana for sure. In regards to a point guard need in the future, some out there are saying the Hoosiers could take a shot at 2024 point guard and recent Providence decommit Daquan Davis, the 110th ranked recruit nationally. He was teammates with Derek Queen in high school prior to Queen leaving for Montverde. There are plenty of names out there interested in him. And yeah, hey, grab grab all the pieces we can. Let's get some good guys in this building. But I'm not trying to sell like sell out for them. I I honestly am like I think we're gonna have a pretty good point guard rotation in a few years, next year even. If, if Jakai can come back healthy again, I am the president of the Jakai Newton fan club. If he can come back healthy, just as explosive as he was before, him relieving Gabe Cups is gonna be a solid solid rotation. Of course, you wouldn't mind to see like one of maybe they go at it together one and two, but while many can freak out and say, "Oh, because we lost Boogie Fland, we don't have point guards," no, we will. We have point guards. We have point guards in the making, point guards in the wings, and I'm confident in the future of this program right now. We have some Hoosier in the NBA news as Miller Cop signed with the OKC organization in order to take part in the G League training camp. I had mentioned on last week's show how Trace Jackson Davis was signed was a. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis and the first round pick for the Warriors were both resigned to the G League squad so that they could take pay, play they could take part in the training camp just getting more looks getting more reps and looks like Miller Cop will be doing that for the OK, the 
Oklahoma City Thunders G League team now as well. OG Ananobi had a huge game this week, as just Sunday he balled out against Victor Wembanyama and the Spurs, scoring 24 points, uh, seven, or, 7 for 13 from, from three-point range, in a 123-116 to 116 win over the Spurs. The Lakers gave an update on Jalen Hood-Chafino's injury, as uh, Los Angeles Lakers coach Darvin Ham said on Monday that Jalen Hood-Chafino is expected to miss, an, miss additional time after dealing with the right patella contusion. You hate to see our guy get uh, sidelined so quickly out the gate, but here's hoping that Jalen can come back just as strong as ever. He has the confidence to just shake this off and uh, hit the ground running again. So, Jalen, thoughts and prayers out to you. Here's hoping we see you again soon on the biggest stage in the world. Lastly, ESPN's Jeff Borzello released his newcomer impact rankings this week, and that is freshman transfers, freshmen and transfers who will lead their teams in 2023-2024. At number 27, Borzello had placed Mackenzie Mbako, saying with the Taco Bell fiasco behind him, Mbako, a former Duke commit, will be relied upon heavily by Mike Woodson. He can do a little bit of everything for the Hoosiers. We most certainly will need him to do a little bit of everything, but uh, if he can't defend, Mike is going to make sure he can before he gets the time that he, he, uh, that he would like out there. I mean, like I said before. If this team is going to be at its full potential come March, it means McKenzie is going to have plenty of minutes because that guy is a natural baller. He's he's a we are going to need him to have some big time performances if we want to be where we want to be at the end of the season. It starts with the defense, man. It starts with the defense. At number thirty-eight, he had Kalel Ware, and in regards to Kalel Ware, he said a former top ten recruit Ware is looking to regain his early season form from a year ago. He still has an incredibly high ceiling thanks to his 7-foot size and ability to run the floor or step out and make a shot. And boy, am I grateful for that ability. It's so awesome seeing a 7-foot guy drain a 3. Got to see one today. Here's hoping we get to see plenty more down the road. Just a short, short, short Indiana news section. So uh, now we're on to some national news for you. For the most part, the Big Ten absolutely handled their business on opening day with all but two teams winning their season opener. Now, Ohio State nearly allowed their 3-for-15 fif- from beyond the arc um, effort get the, to get the best of them as they nearly let an underwhelming Oakland side beat them, but they uh, were able to pull out the victory 79-73. to Princeton always seems to be the class of the Ivy League, and uh, that being said, the Ivy League is trash. And Rutgers should be damn near ashamed of themselves following their 68-61 loss to the Princeton Tigers. (coughs) Northwestern had a, uh, I would say, equal to us tough showing as uh, Binghampton, wherever that is, seemed to lead most of the game as Northwestern was finally able to take the lead and not let go of it in Evanston. Purdue Purdue looked so frighteningly impressive. Purdue looked downright scary. Uh, they handled business just incredibly thoroughly after Sanford seemed to enter this one only to get a viral photo of their 5'8 point guard tipping off the game against the monstrosity of a man that is Zach Eady. Purdue ended up downing Stanford, Samford, not Stanford, not, not that impressive, uh, 98-45. to Mike Rhodes was able to have an impressive first outing as he's filling the role that Shrewsbury just left. And 
was able to lead the Nittany Lions to to beating Delaware State 79-45. Illinois was able to easily handle Eastern Illinois 80-52. But uh, following that game, it was it was pretty interesting when you really dive into that one and uh, just what came out after it as uh, Illinois ended the game well. But uh, it does seem like some of the recurring themes of Illinois basketball over the last few years could be coming around the corner, if you ask me. As in that game against Eastern Illinois, uh, Coleman Hawkins amassed a single point in the season opener. And uh, in the big, big news, Sincere Harris announced that he is intending to redshirt for the rest of the season. That is a sophomore redshirt. And uh, he, he says he's doing it because he believes he needs to get bigger. But uh, from Underwood, Underwood had said in regards to it, he's really, really good. I think one of the things that he understands about his development is that he needs to get stronger. He needs to get bigger. It's come at a slower, it's come at a little slower pace for him. I just think that down the road, there's going to be, instead of a 10 minute a game guy, there's going to be a 25 minute a game guy. We know he's a very, very good defender. There's going to be a guy who adds 15 pounds, 18 pounds. There's going to be a guy who his time will help and that year will pay off. Then I'm excited for him on the academic side as well and the opportunity to put himself in a great position to graduate and then do the work beyond. Guys offer, offering to redshirt, that's, I, I mean, you, see, it, maybe you could just point to it as genuine and just, hey, that's really great for them if it were any other program in our conference. It's just the circus that has seemed to be this locker room in Illinois for the past few years. Even if it's not a red flag, you, you just... <laughs> You just can't help but see it as one. Maryland was able to beat Mount St. Mary's in their home opener, uh, 68-53 to Monday night. Iowa beat North Dakota, 110-68. to Again, Iowa's going to shoot the hell out of the three, and if the, Hoosiers go into, if, if the Hoosiers go into that game with anything resembling the defense they were playing today, we are going to get demolished. Here's hoping that Mike Woodson can turn that around. Lastly, we saw Michigan beat UNC Asheville 99-74 as uh, Michigan looks a little more competent than we had initially thought after half their starting lineup, after just being gutted with their roster. Not too much news in these last three days, as I do every time, every episode. I'll be collecting some until after the Army game, uh, so tune in for that. Right after this word from our partners, I'll be digging into the Army preview, so stick around. Thanks. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports now has a basketball podcast for each of the Big Ten schools. I'm in the network representing Indiana, so uh, if you could, help me out. Leave a review on the show. Leave a subscribe. Let them see the power of the Indiana fandom. Let Let the big guys at Big Banter Sports see just how much it means to us. Because, uh... In 49 other states, it's just basketball. And yeah, in regards to that, if you haven't followed me on Instagram, uh, Twitter, X, I guess, just all the socials, all the socials at Often Daunted, that's where you can find me. Go ahead, give me a follow. I tend to follow back. All right. All right, all right. Here's hoping that we can look far more competent competent against Army as uh, Army's entering this season following a 17-16 and 16 season. 10-8 and eight in the conference. That was a fourth-place finish in the Patriot League last season. And while you would say, hey, fourth, fourth is respectable, um, 
the Army Black Knights must have pretty decent expectations for their program as they let go their prior coach, Jimmy Allen, who has since taken the associative uh, head coaching job at the University of New-, of New Hampshire. And this was after he was able to go over 500 in four consecutive seasons. Following his dismissal, Kevin Kuick, a 10-year serviceman himself, has taken the reins of the program and looks to make a statement against our guys. Army will look to play the game they're most comfortable with. Uh, that being working the ball into the post and utilizing their largest to get the job done. On Army's post play heading into this season, Kuwik had said, That's our strength. We have a three-headed monster in the paint. A lot of experienced big dudes. That's rare in the Patriot. At this level or at an academy. That Army three-headed monster is going to be made up of Abe Johnson, Matt Dove, and most importantly, Charlie Peterson. Now, Charlie Peterson is a veteran of the game for Army, uh, having logged 80 games for the Black Knights already. At 6'9", he's utilized his muscle and size to become the key contributor for the Black Knights heading into this season. He returns as Army's leading scorer with a 7.9 points per game last season. So, I mean, that just shows you the uh, actual offensive firepower they're coming with. Their leading scorer from last season averaged 7.9. One of the other heads of that monster, Matt Dove, comes in at an impressive 6'10". His size and tenacity on the board stands out, but he lacks much of the skill that would make him a serious threat to the likes of Kalel. If you ask me, um, honestly, honestly, each one of these guys, Kalelware, Malik Renu, or Peyton Spark, should all just handle effortlessly. I, I may be talking ahead of myself, but I, I genuinely believe that. These guys should not give them fits. As the third head to that monster, Abe Johnson, uh, comes back following a junior season in which he averaged, averaged 3.4 points per game, 4.2 rebounds per game, all in 12.7 minutes per game. With them coming into this one with three of their most uh, proven players, all 6'8 or taller, Army may look to go big with their starting five. And if that is the case, this may be a great matchup for Mackenzie Mbako to find his footing on the defensive end. Guarding a player of similar size, uh, but with less explosiveness or speed at the three, may be a nice confidence booster for Mackenzie. Maybe we'll let him to process the game a bit more uh, because, uh, yeah, he won't need to just react so much. In regards to this... Army Black Knight squad. The most glaring weakness for the Hoosiers to exploit, in my opinion, in the Black Knights would be the backcourt. The players who started the 1, 2, and 3 for Army last year all went elsewhere in the transfer portal. Entering this season and based on their starting five in their previous matchup on this season, their 1 and 2 will be occupied by Ryan Curry and Blake Barker. And again, much like the three-headed monster that I believe our frontcourt should absolutely handle, Ryan Curry and Blake Barker should be no problem for the likes of Xavier Johnson, Trey Galloway, and Gabe Cups. They, they should be able to absolutely feast on these guys defensively. Ryan, Ryan Curry is a large unknown as a uh, six-foot freshman point guard. He did lead the Black Knights in scoring in that first game of the season against Marist with 13 points in 23 minutes. So coming out of the gate with uh, yeah some pop as he was able to lead his squad. Blake Barker, their shooting guard, will be entering his junior year after playing 7.5 minutes per game last season. The stat line he was able to post in that 7.5 minutes per game last season was a .9 points per game, .9 rebounds per game, and .8 assists per game. Again, that's who's starting now. So, like, we, the Hoosiers have no business losing this game, genuinely. Ultimately, in regards to Army, I feel like it's a case of size may win you games in the Patriot League. But to win in power six ball, you've got to be bringing more to the table. You, j- you just have to. Don't come out slow. 
find a rhythm, and I'm really hoping the Hoosiers can run away with this one. I mean, just based on their last game, coming off of a defeat, 71-55 to at the hands of the Marist Red Foxes, the Hoosiers have to win this one with little room for misunderstanding. Like, by all measure, this is an, imp- this is an opponent Indiana needs to beat the living hell out of. So, I mean, my preview for that game, Hoosiers by a billion. It needs to be that. We need we need a confidence-boosting shellacking of a, one of these opponents. And I think the Army Black Knights are the perfect opportunity for that. With that preview in the books, I'm going to get you out of here with a Hoosier history hit. This is your Hoosier history hit. For your Hoosier history hit, I just wanted to share Crawfordsville with anybody that didn't know. In, 19, in 1892, basketball came to Indiana, and it came to Crawfordsville. Indi- Indiana is absolutely the true home of basketball, and uh, Montgomery County, home of Crawfordsville, is the cradle of basketball. Statewide recognized as the cradle of basketball. On a plaque in the center of town, it says in 1892, the game of basketball was brought to Crawfordsville from its birthplace in Massachusetts by Reverend Nicholas McKay, General Secretary of Crawfordsville YMCA. That was located on this site is what would become known as the Terminal Building. Teams from Crawfordsville and Montgomery County Schools and Wabash College first played the game here. Over the years, the game of basketball evolved into Hoosier hysteria, culminating every year with the Indiana High School Basketball State Tournament Finals and the NCAA National Finals. Like, how, how serious was basketball in Montgomery County back in the very, like, early days of it? Well, the first eight state champions in Indiana state in Indiana high school basketball history were all within 30 miles of Montgomery County. And, I mean, the first state title went to Crawfordsville High School. In, in those early days, I wanted to share, just shed a light on one small, small team. That was Wingate. Uh, Wingate. Wingate is really something special because they were locally known as the gymless wonders because by not having a gym, they had to play all away games. Despite this, Wingate was able to win the uh, Indiana State Finals in 1913 and 1914. And these are the roots that basketball sprung from as the Indiana High School Boys Basketball Tournament is the oldest state high school basketball tournament in America. As that same plaque on the reverse side from the Indiana Historical Society or whatever, whoever makes those plaques we see around everywhere. Um, the plaque says Crawfordsville won the first IHSSA, IHSAA state basketball championship in 1911. Wingate won the state championship in 1913 and 1914. The Like I said before, the first eight IHSS, IHSAA state basketball championships were won by schools located within 30 miles of Crawfordsville, making this region the cradle of basketball in Indiana and contributing significantly to the development of the game nationally. Wabash College was instrumental in promoting basketball on the college level. So yeah, just wanted to uh, give a shout out to the cradle of basketball, Montgomery County. That was your Hoosier history hit. Thanks, guys. Another episode of the Often Daunted podcast in the books. I appreciate you guys sticking with me. I'm going to be finding my rhythm here as I've adjusted back to these recap and pregame episodes uh, from just the formula I had going in the offseason. I appreciate you going through these growing pains with me. This is a collective effort. As much as I appreciate that, I just appreciate you guys giving me the listen. Um, this is just the, the my favorite hobby. My favorite hobby is just uh, making the show every time. It's a labor of love, and uh, again, I, I appreciate, I, I just can't appreciate it enough. God bless you and yours. 
Have a great day. Have a great night. Have a great one, Hoosiers. Again, if you haven't subscribed to me, uh, please feel free to do. Only helps my ego. If you haven't given me a follow on all socials, you can at Often Daunted. And uh, lastly, yeah, like I said, my I, I'm in partnership with Big Banter Sports. So if you haven't, or if you'd like to, go ahead and give them a follow on all socials at Big Banter Sports. God bless you and yours, who's your family. Take it easy this week, and uh, we'll be back at it Monday morning. Yeah, game Sunday, Monday morning for you. So uh, hopefully you're tuning in then. Lux at Veritas, down with the Black Knights.